Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm very excited this week. I have friends of the pod on the podcast. I can use that phrase because you guys have been on here before. I have the Go Big Redcast, two folks uh, from, what was it, Husk Guys, one of like the top Twitter aggregator accounts, like just recently named you guys the best uh, game day listen for Husker-related podcasts out there. So congrats on being the the top-ranked Husker podcast. I'm not at all jealous. I have Honky to my left. How are you? I'm doing great. And I have Dave on a computer screen across from us. Dave, how are you? Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for agreeing to come back. I guess I didn't scare you guys too much last time with all the technical snafus that we had trying to give everybody not a at podcast. all. Well, and you've and we've changed this time. I mean, we're in a, a studio here where I've got this nice headset on. We have a producer in the room with us. This is amazing. Yep. So. Dave, you're going to want to fire me after this. I, don't, I, I can't compete with this. <laughs> Sasha's across from us. She's our producer today. Um, her and Aaron had a podcast this week. They didn't have to re-record. It's the first time in the history of that podcast that they haven't had to re-record it. So shout out to them. <laughs> Go listen to the Mind Your Own podcast. Jay Moore's got a podcast, More To It podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a Red to Black podcast with uh, Chris Gorman and Pat Safford. We've got a lot of, of media to consume and it's great timing because now we have football to talk about. And so that's why uh, I have the two of you on today because there are some things that happened this past week uh, in case anybody was living under a rock and missed it. But I would like to get the fan perspective on some of the, um, some of the discourse that's, that's going around Husker football this week. Um, we got a schedule. Nebraska's going to play eight games. It's going to start with a, a walk through the fires of hell. Um, Ohio State week one, number two on the road. Then they got to play Wisconsin at home. Then they got to play Northwestern, which Northwestern was bad a year ago, but no slouch. The thing everybody says about Pat Fitzgerald's teams is they don't beat themselves. You got to go and beat them, and it's going to be a hard-fought game. And then you got Penn State, who uh, before opt-outs look like, I mean, I thought a challenge for Ohio State's Big Ten crown. So we'll see. Bill Moose um, complained about the schedule. A lot. And I was critical of him a week ago. I've wanted him on this podcast. Bill, if you're listening to this by any chance, I would still like to have you on the podcast. So you can come on and and tell me why you hated what I wrote. Um, If you did, I don't know. But he was really one of the only people that I saw complaining about the schedule. And maybe complaining is too strong a word. He was upset with the schedule, disappointed with the schedule, whatever you want to call it. I put out a poll on Twitter and asked fans, like, are you you cool with this? Do you use it like... Yeah, just strap up the helmet. Let's go play. We have football. Do you not care one way or the other, or do you feel like Nebraska got shafted? And like 60% of the votes said, no, strap it up. And I was listening to you guys' podcast um, this week that you just dropped, was it on the 23rd yesterday? We're recording this Thursday morning. And you kind of had the same mentality. Where is that coming from? 
you know, I think there's some national people, and we don't need to name them because it's the same people time and time again, but there's some national media folks that seem to think that this is, you know, that we're either really upset by it or that this was the Big Ten doing something to us. Dave, I mean, we've pretty much looked at this as this was the schedule we were expecting all along. Uh, originally, that schedule was back heavy. You know, that was what was going to happen early on, and, and now they've kind of made it front heavy. But I think that, you know, what we talked about on this week's show was that there's a lot of advantages to playing these teams early. You know, playing Wisconsin in week two, a team that I think maybe they're just getting off a of quarantine right now. Uh, if we're doing the right things, and I'm pretty sure we are for us with all the, the preparation and everything, I think we're going to be ready at the beginning of the season. I don't know how ready some of these other teams will be. Hopefully they aren't for our case. But, uh, you know, the schedule is what it is. And as far as the Big Ten, they want to get marquee games going right away. And I think Husker fans should look at that positively. They want to get big TV games like Ohio State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, Nebraska out, and that benefits us. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Hockey. I mean, the order of these teams are different than what we had known for several years. But um, besides losing Rutgers, uh, we knew we had Ohio State and Penn State on the schedule um, since, I don't know, 2017 or something like that. So I don't know why anybody was surprised about this. And if you look at the methodology of how they went about this, I was a little confused on why Bill Moose actually thought he could get it changed, right? Because Ohio State was our permanent crossover. You knew we were going to play them. And uh, Penn State was uh, the East crossover that we were going to play at home, which balances out our schedule for for home, for away. So I, I wasn't surprised at all when it came out on Saturday. I I was surprised in that I think it was Purdue's athletic director said that they were just going to take the pre-COVID schedule, the ten game or the nine game conference schedule that they had that everybody was was expecting to play before everything got you know thrown up in the air, mm-hmm. and they were just going to lop a game off at the end and, and call it good. And a thing that I had looked at before the schedule came out was like, well, if you just take that schedule, like you said, Dave, you can't remove Penn State because it's a home game. And so if you took that game off the schedule, Nebraska would have three home games and five road games, and nobody would be happy with that. That wouldn't work. Um, so it really came down to, are you going to take Rutgers off or are you going to take Ohio State off? And why would why would TV want to see Rutgers Nebraska? Nobody cares about Rutgers Nebraska. Nobody cares what that's that the score truth. Would be. We don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the storyline there of Noah Vedral getting to play his old coach, Noah Vedral getting to go up against the guy that he, you know, quote unquote or presumably didn't beat in a in a quarterback competition. There's that storyline, but national people don't care about that. Instead, you have Nebraska Ohio State that was a really good game two years ago people seem to forget and then you know game day comes to town a, a year ago and, and Ohio State you know makes Nebraska leave with its tail between its legs but <laughs> after everything that has gone on this summer that game felt like it was going to be highlighted by the league in more ways than one and maybe this friendship that you guys have built with Ohio State's fan base played into that you guys got to talk to me about this. I don't understand this at all. I don't. Are you still going to be friends if Ohio State wins? Are the other fan bases still going to be cordial if, let's say, Week One Ohio State wins by thirty points? Well, I just I hope the Buckeyes, you know, still want to be friends with us when they when they start off zero and one and their seasons. <laughs> I mean, no. Let's. The reality is, I mean, we're pretty friendly people. The period. The Rockies predicting we are going twelve and zero, Derek, even right. though we only play nine games. <laughs> you know, my math. You got to add the playoff games in there. Yeah, math has never been great for me, but. You know, in general, I mean, the Redcasts were a friendly bunch. And so, yeah, we, we've had more bucknuts and whatever the heck they're all called on Twitter, friend us and follow us over the last 
couple weeks, and that's great. I mean, there's some camaraderie there that's that's come out of having this this shared purpose of let's get the games played. And I, I'd say the same thing with the Iowa fans that have been doing it too. And really, Big Ten fans across the, the whole region, most of them were wanting to play even when their schools were saying we don't want to. Uh, last Saturday morning, that you know the whole Fox thing, it was kind of cool how – they released it. It felt like a March Madness bracket, you know, release week by week. Who's playing? It's it was like, cool oh. for you. It was not cool for me. I just wanted them to drop it so we could post our no. schedule post. And that was kind of the thing, too, is that if they had just dropped it and just said, here's your eight games, I don't think some of this would be as big of a deal as it was. But when they released it game by game and you have 10 minutes and 15 minutes between games to think about it. Oh, my gosh. We start with Ohio State. 15 minutes to chat about it. The next one, Wisconsin's coming here. Oh, my gosh. You know I mean? I think we Then even you have everybody saying there's no way they're going to give them Penn State next, and then Penn yeah. State comes up oh, yeah. a little Who's down the, the line. Are the Chiefs up next? I mean, that was that's kind of what the joke became. Yeah. And the reality was is that, look, it's just this is the way that they scheduled this. They wanted to get the TV uh, interest up there. But, uh, again, you know, I hear all this about, you know, Nebraska, we're going to go out there and get blown out by, by Ohio State and – I don't know. I mean, can it happen? Sure, it happened a year ago. Uh, is it guaranteed to happen? To your point, two years ago it wasn't. And I know we're a better team than we were two years ago. I'm excited to see where we are right off the bat, you know, playing there in the in the, the horseshoe in front of no fans. <laughs> I think, you know, this Ohio State friendship um, is, is an example of how other fans actually are starting to – understand Nebraska fans in the big 10, at least Ohio state finally did. And I think Iowa a little bit, I think the the, sometimes the confusion with the big 10 fan base in Nebraska is they don't really understand how important football is to us as a state, as a culture. And um, I think that came out in spades here during this process, Ohio state fans get it now that football is really important in this state for many reasons. Um, and, and then it is a priority for us. Um, and so I, I think that's a, a revelation to Ohio State fans. And um, I think you, you see that when you, when you see the visiting fan bases come to Lincoln and they get a tailgate with us and we just want to talk football with them. Right. And and we don't want to start a fight with them. Right. Um, and sometimes you have some knuckleheads that do stuff like that. And that happens on all fan bases. But reality is Nebraska fans just love college football. And um, I think that has really revealed itself to uh, Ohio State, and I think that makes us a, a stronger member of the Big Ten. Um, let's exclude folks like Pat Forty from the conversation because, I, I mean, he's his own thing, and we don't have to talk local media because I might be the only person covering the team that's not from here. Do you think media in general understands Nebraska in the same way that you were just talking about Ohio State fans maybe now have a new appreciation for the way Nebraska football works and the way this the, it, it fits into the fabric of the state here. Do you think media, be it, you know, local outlets like, let's say, the, the Detroit Free Press um, or national outlets, do, you, do either of you guys think that people that routinely cover the Big Ten understand Nebraska or are still trying to figure out how it fits? I think they're still trying to figure it out. I don't think they really understand it sometimes. Um, and, and that takes time, right? All these other schools have been in here for a hundred years. Uh, Penn state's been 25 years. And I think they've probably gotten um, more understood as, as they've grown into the conference, but I, I think it has a ways to go still. Yeah. I've learned it 43 years. I don't know if I fully understand it. Um, you know, every time you guys go to the big 10 press days, you know, before the season starts up, how many people 
are there for Nebraska press compared to all the other schools. It, usually there's more Nebraska, right? Yeah, it's usually like doubled. Doubled, right? Yeah. And, you know, the least populated state has won the most games of anybody since 1960, still to this point, right? There's a lot of things that don't make sense, uh, but this fan base, the craziness behind it, uh, you know, we like to joke that uh, with each one of these announcements that would come out, you know, the first question I would always ask is, when are the black shirts coming out, right? Or, you know, <laughs> is, the sellout, is the sellout streak going to continue? I mean, because those are seemingly very important things to us. And I don't really know how to explain it to somebody else, but it just seems like it is. But to Dave's point, football's incredibly important here. Um, and we were going to do whatever we could to play it. Now, whether the 40s or some of those uh, national types, if they want to hear certain things, for some reason, if they want to hear that we want to play football and they turn that into, well, we obviously want to leave the Big Ten, I can't help that. I mean, they just they need to get their hearing checked. That's not what we said. It's not what Frost ever said. But we want to play football. We want to play football in the Big Ten. Um, I think we've built some coalition, some alliance now with some schools that we didn't really have. And the other thing is, you know, we're 10 years into this. When you join a conference, it's kind of like a family. And you have all these siblings, and they grow up, and there's the star child, and there's the, the run to the litter and all that. And what we were, we were an adopted child into it. And for about 10 years, we, we played along nicely and everything, but this was the big fight. And not everybody was against us. We actually got some support from others. And that's something that I think, you know, we hit on a little bit. I heard more in the last month about, like, well, we should go back to the Big 12. We, oh, yeah, that's where we should have gone. Uh, Tom Chattel, and I love the guy. We had him on last year. He wrote about that, you know, we should go back to the Big 12. I'm like, why? I, I understand the days of the Big 8 that we all loved. I mean, I love the – I romanticize waking up on a Saturday morning and driving to Ames because it's three hours away or whatever. But the reality is that Big 8's gone. Three of the five teams aren't even a part of this anymore. They've split up. But the Big 12 itself, the whole reason we left was a bunch of 1 to 11 votes. Prop 48, moving the the – the headquarters down to Dallas, we always came up on the wrong end of it. And if you think about this process we just went through with the Big Ten, it really was 1 to 13 on day one. I know they say it's a 3 to 11 vote, but it was 1 to 13. We were the one out there that was getting beat up by everybody. But what started to happen was Ohio State kind of trickles over. Iowa trickles over. They did vote that way, too, so it becomes 311. We have Wisconsin players. We have You guys were like groups. 12 angry men in the jury debating room. It was. <laughs> and by the end of it, we end up winning. We won. This would never have happened in the Big 12. We would have just lost 1-11. to 11. We wouldn't be playing football. We'd be all upset, Nebraska fans. And as is, the Big 10 actually changed course. It's not all because of Nebraska. We couldn't have done it by ourselves. But if it wasn't for Nebraska, we, that conference would still be watching football on the sidelines right now. You know, Honky, I, I think the, the Ohio State-Nebraska fan friendship, I, I think of it as almost like a friend with benefits scenario. <laughs> uh, in the sense of like, you know, hey, you know, Ohio State and Nebraska are never going to marry. Ohio State's always going to have Michigan, right? But what we have there is a, kind of a mutual understanding between the two of us. We get each other right now. And that's that's exactly what a friend with benefits is, right? And, and uh, why is that? It's because Ohio State's a blue blood and Nebraska's a blue blood. And football is important to both of us. And I've always made the argument that even while Nebraska's down right now from a, a program status standpoint um the fan base is what will keep nebraska blue blood because we're not going to let the program go um backwards uh too far we're going to continue to fight um and make our 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 team relevant through our fan interest and ultimately we're going to get back to to playing like that on the field 
since I've gotten here, so I, I got here in the summer of 2017, I've kind of looked at, and and a bunch of people have written this, Nebraska's looking for a rival in the conference or, or in its division. And I've looked at Iowa and I've thought, it it makes sense geographically. It makes sense because the two fan bases just don't like each other. There's animosity there. Um, and some of that maybe has just been built because Iowa has been better than Nebraska has in the last couple of years. And that really shouldn't be the case if you just look at where the programs are at historically. But because of that, because of where the programs are at historically, I've never thought that Iowa could really be like that end of the year rival that Oklahoma was because there's not there. And I don't want to speak for all Husker fans. There doesn't seem to be a level of respect for what Iowa has accomplished because Frankly, it's not warranted compared to compared to say Oklahoma or compared to what Nebraska has accomplished. Sure. When I go home, people hear, "Oh, you're from Nebraska. How are they doing? I missed that game so much." When I talk to people here that find that I'm from Oklahoma, they go, "Oh, how are they doing? I missed that game so much." There was respect between the two teams because on any given year, either team could win. In any given year, it could have been like one versus three or one versus two. Like you're playing for national national stakes and I don't know that that's ever going to be the case with the Iowa game I thought if Nebraska gets up and running the way Scott Frost wants it to that could be the Wisconsin game because Wisconsin has accomplished but with everything that has happened this summer and with the way that you guys talk about Ohio State do you think that Ohio State has the potential if let me caveat this if Nebraska gets to the level that Scott Frost wants them at thinks they can they can return to could Ohio State be the team that replaces Oklahoma? You know, I think number one, just to talk about rivalries in general, you got to play someone every year. And we learned that with Oklahoma when that split up in 97 and we started doing the on off. Play them for something every year. Well, yeah. Number one is actually have them on the schedule and then play them for something. Oklahoma was the most unique rivalry I think you're going to find between Nebraska and Oklahoma. There's, there's so many different reasons that rivalries spawn. And Nebraska and Oklahoma made no sense. Geographically, it didn't make any sense. We weren't that, you know, there wasn't any kind of history between the states. You, you go to Michigan and Ohio State, and they have the war of Toledo that brought them together originally. You have interstate rivalries between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You just have pure hatreds at it's Oklahoma. Not a rivalry. Well, <laughs> they, they, they call it bedlam. Shout right? out to my brother. It's not a rivalry. And, and the reality, but there's other schools like that too. You know, yeah, Michigan sorry. has Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, right? You know, so. You Oklahoma have, has Texas. Yes, so you have multiple rivalries. Nebraska Nebraska has also had multiple rivalries, but Oklahoma skewed it. Because Oklahoma was our rival, all of a sudden that kind of started to mean that Mizzou isn't, Kansas isn't, Colorado isn't, because Oklahoma was the one and only rivalry. Well, when the Oklahoma-Nebraska rivalry, you're not playing each other every every year. Then we started to have to look at these other ones and go, well, wait, we've played Kansas 100 years in a row. I, I know Kansas doesn't stack up to us historically, but they're a rival, right? Uh, Mizzou, they've beaten us, and, and we play them every year. They're a rival, right? Well, then you, you now we leave the Big 12. Now we get into the Big 10 days. And using that same mentality, well, Iowa can't be our rival because they don't have 900 wins like we do. Well, there's that limits our rivals to about six or seven other teams if we only base it off of you know all-time wins and all that. So. Sure. The reality is I think we can have multiple rivals. I think geographically and, and certainly from a hatred standpoint, Iowa fits the bill. I think Wisconsin, we would love to see Nebraska playing meaningful games at the end of the year. And if Wisconsin was the team that was right there with us and and we were playing for the West Championship every year, I think we would love that. That's where we have to get to. 
and, and if Ohio State joins that club, that means that we have to be um, competitive versus them. So, I mean, if we could start beating Ohio State and meeting them in multiple Big Ten championship games, that rivalry oh. would happen or, organically, right? But we got to get there. Yeah, that's it. To your point there, Derek, like if we were playing, it's a, it becomes a routine that four out of five years we are playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Holy smokes. And, and winning our share of that, uh, that would be awesome. And that's exactly what Jim Delaney wanted yeah. when he brought us in there. Yeah. That's the reality of, of why we're part. Again, you didn't bring us in because of our TV sets, at least not our 1.9 million t- TV sets. But nationally, we have that national following. All these reasons why Nebraska makes sense in the Big Ten 10 years ago, it still makes sense now. We're just, we just need to get good on the football field. And we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm glad you brought that up. One thing, so I want to go off of the family um, metaphor that you created. This process does, like you talked about the Tom Chattel article, mm-hmm. go back to the Big 12. That was kind of a sentiment early on throughout this process. Well, you know, we could just go back to the Big 12. The Big 10 doesn't understand us, you know, whatever. If, if, if you guys feel like there has been... A, a gaining of understanding from other fan bases or from other programs throughout this process. Does it feel maybe ha, has this whole thing tied you guys more to the Big Ten maybe than you thought it would, or maybe than you were before? Because maybe now it feels like you know, hey, we have some peers here that understand us. We have some maybe it's like the um, a sibling relationship, whereas Kevin Warren and the COPC is the the parents not letting you do what you want to do, and you know, it, it, does that make any sense? Has it has it felt like that there's been more um, throughout this process that has that has given you a tie to the Big Ten that maybe you didn't have before? You know, I can speak for as our social media director. You know, <laughs> the nice title I was given there, but uh, you know, getting to interact with more people on on social media from other schools, I think certainly I see more of a peer kind of. You know, when we were all fighting for the same thing, when we wanted to see football being played, um, you know, I'll give a shout out to another uh, Big Ten podcast, The Eyes on Big Ten, um, with Jeffrey the Greek is someone that we've had on our show, and he was a former Iowa player. And he and I have had a number of conversations offline where we just talk about, you know, football and what it means to him as an Iowa guy and, and what it means to me as a Nebraska guy and everything. And you find that there's more similarities than differences between us. Uh, we sure like the red on our helmet and, you know, on our jerseys and the, the black and gold, you know, that's bad. But at the end of the day, we're all, you know, we're just passionate about our teams and, and we want to see us play. But the one thing, and you kind of brought it up with, with Warren, was the heavy-handed parenting of we're not going to revisit this. And, Dave, I thought you hit on this really well. Like when uh, Chancellor Green was being interviewed last week with him and Athletic Director Moose, and Chancellor Green was talking about uh, uh, fans in the stands. And he didn't come out and say, no, there won't be fans, or yes, there will. He just says, we're, it's a fluid situation. We're going to continue to look at this, you know, let numbers drive. Never coming out and just saying, this will not be revisited. This is over. This is the decision, and we've made it, and it's and it's over. And Dave, I mean, you hit on that, and it, 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 that's what it was. I mean, it's that, look, let's these things change. Yeah, in the times of COVID, uh, declarative statements like that are just ridiculous, right? I mean, it is a fluid situation and everything is changing, right? And so I, I think you just have to be far more malleable at this point from, a, from an organization standpoint. The Big Ten has learned that the hard way. 
a lot has been made about the first four games on Nebraska's schedule. Are there any potential speed bumps in the last four games? Any any thoughts you guys have on the last four games? It goes Illinois at home, at Iowa, at Purdue, Minnesota at home to close out the season. I think the yeah. Oh, sorry, Dave. No, I, I I'll start honk and I'll I'll just say that uh, those four. It it comes down to we have to win the games we're supposed to win, and we need to be winning the Big Ten West games, right? It's great to beat Ohio State and Penn State, but the reality is, is our our evaluation in or making progress as a program is can we be, win the Big Ten West, and that means beating Big Ten West teams. And so, uh, we should beat Illinois and Purdue, um, but that doesn't mean it's an automatic. We have to take care of business, and then we have the opportunity to beat the teams that right now are perceived to be ahead of us. And you know, um, on our podcast this week, we had this discussion: is you know, what's a successful season? is four and four a success. And I'm like, oh, it depends on what it looks like. You know, I mean, we got to beat Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Iowa this year. We got to take at least one of those down, if not more. I think it was Mac that said this on your guys' podcast this week, that, like, the schedule looks tough because there aren't those winnable games. Like, Illinois was a four-point game a year ago or whatever it was. Um, Purdue was a loss a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like, the teams that, that Nebraska, when, it, when, when Nebraska came in, the teams that were circled as, okay, these are going to be, like, the Kansases and, you know, Iowa States or whatever of, of the schedule. Like, we can pretty much pencil these as Ws. They aren't that right now. And, like, Ohio State's schedule looks weaker because Ohio State doesn't have to play Ohio State. Sure. Like, they don't have to play the best team in the league. Um, but, I, I, like, I think there's something to be said for you get the perceived tougher teams on your schedule earlier in the year. I talked to Rick Kaczynski for my yearbook feature um, this year in the, the Hale Varsity yearbook. And he talked about how when they first got to the Big Ten, it was sort of like a war of attrition, and you were just trying to get to the end of the season because they didn't have the depth to match up with Iowa at the end of the game, or at the end of the season, that, that last game of the year. So, like, if if suddenly you invert your schedule, where, like, normally you'd be playing Wisconsin and Iowa at the end of the year, now you get those big teams earlier, you know, presumably for a team that's still trying to build depth like Nebraska, that would help you. You get Wisconsin, like you guys said, was coming off of quarantine. Their entire campus was shut down for two weeks. Um, Ohio State, I looked at it. They've played three Power Five opponents uh, to open the season since 2015, and two of those games they trailed in. Um, so it's you know it's not like Ohio State is going to be a well-oiled machine in Week One, especially after all of this. The thing that the game that's the most interesting to me is Minnesota because I don't know what Minnesota is going to be. Do you guys? Well, thirty for thirty said they didn't want to play a couple of weeks ago, so I I don't know. Um, I guess a byproduct of having a, a podcast that's been here for three years and we've seen 13 wins during that time is that I, I see eight <laughs> I see eight speed bumps on the schedule. But I also see eight games that uh, we shouldn't be scared or nervous going into any one of them that we can't compete. We can compete with any one of these schools. Um, well, with the Minnesota, you know, PJ has them reading Goldilocks and Three Bears. So I'm pretty <laughs> concerned about that now. My goodness. Um, <laughs> Matt called him a... The Diaco of, well, whatever. Um, you know, at the end of the day. Well, Diaco's at Purdue now, so he can't be the Diaco of the Big Ten. Is that yeah. what he said? Well, we're not sure if we think that Diaco and Fleck are the same guy, that we've never seen him in the same room together. Oh. But potentially there could be. They might be separated. We don't know. Oh. Um, you know, look, every one of these games. Everyone, <laughs> every one of these games is going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about that. But I can absolutely envision a uh, 
scenarios where we go into Ohio State and we give them everything that they're looking for. And that, you know, this could be a four-quarter game. I don't have any doubt in my mind about that. It was two years ago. And when you start to look at our team to have a, a third-year quarterback back, and a lot of this plays on the shoulders of, does he have the comeback year that we think he's going to have? Or does that sophomore slump continue into year three? It's about as simple as that. If he plays the way that – and has a comeback year the way that we think he could as a junior, uh, I'm not conceding any games to anybody. Um, Wisconsin, we had a running back a year ago, average 11 yards a carry over 17 carries. My question, the only thing that would come out of that game is why did he have 17 carries and not 25 or 30? Because you know damn well that, that Wisconsin, if they're getting 11 yards a carry with Jonathan Taylor, he's just going to keep running the ball. And so when you look at some of the offseason moves that have been made, let's get Greg Austin into a run game coordinator spot. Let's get a guy that's going to sit there and say, hey, uh, someone's getting 11 yards a carry. Let's not go away from that. Let's keep pounding that. There was about a five-play scenario in the second quarter of the Wisconsin game last year that kind of changed the game. We went from having the lead to, to falling behind, and it was four in, well, three inter- incompletions that ended a drive, an interception that but I think was it returned for a touchdown or at least was returned down to you know, the red zone, one of the two. Um, Things like that will make a difference. We're going to get better X's and O's. I'm really excited to see Lubick there with that. And our special teams not giving up, you know, kickoff returns and also be able to kick a field goal when we need to, that's going to make a difference. You can you can absolutely tell um, which teams that have played so far focused on special teams in their prep for the season. Uh, I can say with with a good deal of confidence that Iowa State did not. (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to be one of those things, you know, like when we talk about it with our staff, we just have conversations all throughout the day on on Saturdays and and just about, like, what we're seeing. And, and, you know, we've talked about that's really going to be the place where you're going to see, like, who's prepared. You're going to see it on special teams. And if Nebraska is as prepared as Nebraska says it is, Nebraska's going to be much better on special teams. And if Nebraska's much better on special teams, what does that do for its season? My question for you guys now, what is acceptable? And Dave, you kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but I want to have kind of an extended conversation on it because, you know, like you you look at, I don't know if either of you guys follow the NBA too much, but the NBA is in a bubble right now. A five seed is presumably about to make the NBA finals in the Miami Heat. And they've just rolled through everyone. They beat the Bucks, They beat the Pacers. They're about to beat the Celtics, who I thought should have been in the NBA Finals. They're, I think they're like 11-2 and two right now in the bubble. And people want to put an asterisk on it because there's, you know, there's no road environments. They're in a bubble. There was this huge break in time, yada, 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 all these other you know, caveats that people will try to put on, on the Miami Heat if they win the East, if you know, they, they make a series of it in the finals. But there's, there's something to be said about Heat culture. Um, you know, talk to basketball people about heat culture and they, they know what you're talking about and they understand what you're talking about. It's this thing that Eric Spolster has created down there. That's great. They, they bring guys in that fit what they do and they develop guys and they have a way that they go about things. And when I look at like the Miami heat and say what they did against the Boston Celtics recording this Thursday, Wednesday night, I see parallels to what Scott Frost is trying to do. I could see a scenario where 10 years from now we talk about Nebraska and we say Husker culture in the same kind of, you know, environment that heat culture is tossed around. And it's it's this thing that everybody knows about when you say it. And Frost is trying to build that culture. And, And I think, you know, throughout 
this process throughout these last couple of months, I think you've really seen um, positive signs about the development of Husker culture and, you know, where this team is headed. But I don't know if you're going to be able to, you know, like accurately track how far ahead this team is in its rebuild or where they're at in the rebuild based on the win-loss record this season. But because it's year three, Scott Frost is going to be judged on how many wins he has. If they're three and five, he's going to be judged on that because he's first three years of being sub-500. So my question to you guys, what is acceptable? Is it if you see Husker culture building and it's competitive, and maybe it's three and five, but it's competitive with Ohio State on the road, right down to the wire like it was in 2018, competitive with Penn State at home. Maybe you take one between Wisconsin and Iowa. Competitive in everything. You don't see the kind of mental mistakes that you've seen. You don't see the kind of special teams mistakes. You don't see the kind of discipline stuff that you've seen. Is that acceptable, or does it have to be – you got to go five and three. I don't. I refuse to give a number right now preseason because I, I don't like doing that period. What I would say is, I, no, don't worry, Derek. Yeah, I can go a year ago, <laughs> and we lose four games by a touchdown or less, score or less. Uh, Iowa wins four games by a score or less. So they were already doing the little things, and we were doing the little things, special teams specifically. And I don't want to call that a little thing. Boomer would kill me for that, but the. We're close. We're already close. So if we play clean football, and that's what I want to see in year three, there's no reason that we should be fumbling the ball any more than any other team should. We can't sit there and blame COVID. We're all equally affected by this. If we go out and we play clean football, and if that culture has changed and we, you know, we have accountability on guys and everything, we should be able to play at a level that other teams are playing and not have any built-in excuses. We're far enough now past the Riley era. You mentioned, you know, asterisks. I have an asterisk from 2003 to 2017 with Nebraska. That was <laughs> that was this little blip where we decided to go away from uh, the thing that kind of worked here, you know, and, and that's recruiting locally, building, you know, strength and conditioning. Walk-on programs are important at Nebraska. A lot of those things, then you go national from there. That there, There's a formula that worked. With the, you always hear it at Michigan. They have Michigan men. Well, we have Nebraska men. We have a Nebraska style that started in 62 with uh, Devaney, and, and, it, and it built from within. And we really went away from that for about 15 years. I see Frost in a modern era trying to build so much of that historical Nebraska football with a modern shotgun spread kind of, you know, fix with it. So how does that apply to this year? I think that we can win any game we play. I truly believe that. I believe that right away from, from game one. Um, does that mean am I putting money down that we're going to go to the to the horseshoe and beat the Buckeyes? I'm not going to say anything like that yet. But but we have no reason to feel like we can't compete with any of these teams. We've already competed with virtually everybody that's on this schedule. I guess Penn State we haven't played in a number of years, but um, but we've already been competing with these teams. It's cleaning up mistakes. It's getting the special teams going, and uh, I think that uh, that's we're on pace. You know. Um you know, time changes everything. Right. And, and um, right after the Iowa loss, we did a show where honky and Mac were very frustrated. It was right when Bill Moose got quoted saying, Hey, you got to give us more time. And they, they were frustrated and you know, they were like, you know, we need to see this manis- manifest itself into wins next year. Now that was pre COVID. So things have changed. Right. I mean, honestly, we were just happy we're playing football in some ways, but this culture question is how I tried to answer and take, take them off the ledge back last November, because I was like, if you believe that Frost is building the right culture in this program, 
uh, and we're going in the right direction, uh, it will ultimately lead us, uh, uh, manifest itself into wins. But I don't know what that looks like next year. It's a tough schedule, and that schedule's still tough, right? So I don't know what a successful season is from a win and loss perspective. But if we do those little things right, it's inevitable that we start winning more games. And we should win the games we're supposed to win, right? We still have more talent than a lot of the teams in the Big Ten West. Um, and so let's take care of business on the teams we're supposed to win. And as we develop as a program and that culture develops, we're going to start winning more and more big games. And I don't know what that looks like this year, but I, I am confident that we are going in the right direction. Well, and that's the thing that if someone says, would, would you take three and five, but you're competitive in all these games, and it's just a close thing here or there. I guess, no, I'm not going to take it because first off, I don't want to take three and five right now. I'm not going to do that period. But the other thing is if we are doing the right things, if we're competitive and everything, then I don't see why we should be three and five. I don't see why we should just lose these close games just by being competitive. That's a great point because that's been the case in the last two years. And theoretically, if you fixed it, then you shouldn't be three and five with close losses. Look at Iowa last year. Yes, we were up 41 to three collectively on Purdue, Indiana, and Colorado in those three games, and we lost it all. Lost all three of them, okay? If you're doing the right things, you don't give up early leads like that. And you continue to put teams away. You get points where points are available. Iowa kicked more field goals a year ago than they kicked extra points. Okay? I mean, and that's one of the reasons that they won close games. We need to be able to win the close games occasionally. Like Northwestern, you brought them up. On a good year, when Northwestern is good, you might lose to them 5-3. to three. On a good uh, t- year when they're bad, you beat them 5-3. to three. I mean, that's a Northwestern. That's how they play, right? It's going to be ugly games. But the point is, is that they don't penalize themselves. They're very consistent that way. They do really well that way. Nebraska, we need to match that level of execution. So if you go and you look at the last three games of a year ago, I think we were like number one or number two in the country in least penalties a game. I mean, that's a huge improvement over where we were for the first year and a half under Frost. So we were starting to make that improvement. We're already there, essentially. Don't blow it. Don't come out now in year three and all of a sudden, let's go back to the to the days of having a 15-yard penalty on every big play that we get. I mean, I was at that Purdue game in year one of Frost, and that was obscene. And Frost, that was the one, you know, afterwards, I think uh, he had a couple players leave. I think he benched Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was just, he was irate. And He's was, never been more animated than he was in that postgame. And and he should have been. And, and the refs, they didn't screw us. They called what was on the field, and I don't blame them. But you see, when someone says, well, you guys haven't made any progress under Frost because you're not winning games, I tell them, BS. I watch that game. I'm in the stands there. I see that Purdue game. And then I go in a year later, and I watch how we're playing against Maryland and, and Wisconsin and Iowa at the end of the season. We went one and two during those last three games, but you could see the improvement. We weren't killing ourselves and shooting ourselves in the foot. What I like about this year is that we have 150 guys without any redshirting going on. There's no concern of depth anymore. We have everybody at our disposal. It was something that a year ago, I think, you know, you could look back on and say, we redshirted all those guys. Could we have won one or two more games if we would have just had a full allotment of players? You know, Ramir Johnson maybe having more depth at the running back spot. Would that have helped us? Could we have won one more game if we would have played a few more guys? Well, you know, that's, that's in the past now. But moving forward this year, there's no excuse. We got everything available to us. So I, again, I'm Dave. To your point, that show was loud noises that we did back in, in November. That's right. And Mac and I were ready to jump off the cliff because that's what happens in November after you know a losing season. But um, I mean, I'm I'm completely bought in. If you can't tell right now, I think we've, I think we're, 
I can't wait to see how year three of this of this program goes. And I think we're going to be a really hard out for – I see eight speed bumps, but I see eight teams that are not going to have an easy out with us either. Derek, this is why we have a segment called Scarlet Colored Glasses on the Go Big Redcast. <laughs> Excellent. Eight speed bumps. I mean, it could Nebraska could be a, a speed bump for every team on its schedule too. So, well, You know, Mac on our show said, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we beat Ohio State and we could just ruin their season? I'm like, are you kidding me? If we win – we're, we're going to the title game, man. You know, if we're beating Ohio State, why are we worried about screwing someone else out? Win the next game, get, get home, and get ready for Wisconsin, and, and look, we're one and zero. I mean, I know that sounds, you know, <laughs> that's about as scarlet colored a glass as you can get. But the, I'm not here to be someone else's spoiler, and that's maybe the big blood, the, the blue blood mentality. If we're beating Ohio State, if we were in that scenario, okay. Now don't come home and lose to Wisconsin then. It, it, we had a we had a Twitter poll. We had seventeen hundred and some you know votes on it the other morning, and it was how will we do in the three games after Ohio State? I I, I even preface it with we'll lose to Ohio State in a, a hard fought game, but how are we going to do in the next three? Three and zero, oh, two and one, one and two, or zero oh and three? Fifty nine percent of the people think that we're at least going to win two of those games. So fifty nine percent of seventeen hundred votes think we're at least going to split, go two and two in the first four. If that's the case, if we're sitting there and those two losses were, to your point, close, hard-fought losses, we're looking at those last four games and, and against teams that we've lost to, Purdue and Iowa, Minnesota, and we're sitting there going, we can beat them. My God, we just beat you know Penn State or we just beat Wisconsin, whoever. We had to beat somebody to get to two and two. Let's, let's go and win. You know, now you start to change the mindset. Penn State in year three under Franklin, they weren't – Looking like, you know, they weren't going to be the best team in the country, man. They started off 2-2. Two and two. They got blown out by Michigan. They lost to in-state rival Pitt. Things are looking bad, and all of a sudden, a, a switch flipped. They win about, you know, six, seven games in a row. They beat Ohio State. They go to the Rose Bowl, and, and the rest is history since then. Um, I just – there's a defeatism mentality in some Husker fans that I see, especially on the Twitter world, where it's like, oh, well, it just can't happen here. I, I firmly believe it's going to happen under Frost. I've never doubted that, even in my loud mo- noises moments, Dave, on, on the show. <laughs> That's right. I've never doubted that it's going to happen under Frost. It's, and it can happen now. It's just when. Yep. That's the big question. I want to go rapid-fire questions with you guys. Have uh, you watched football games since they started? Yes. Yes. More than two. Yes. Yes. In a weekend. Yes. Yeah, a lot more. That's awesome. Have you watched the NFL? Yes. Absolutely. Were you worried at all about the number of injuries sustained in week two of the NFL season? Due to my fantasy team, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's an eye-opener. You're right. I don't know if it's easy to just to peg that at the news because they didn't play any preseason games. Um but it could be, and uh, we'll see. I mean, that is a little scary, but the good thing for the Big Ten, at least in this instance, is we're going to see the ACC, SEC, everyone else really play before us. Uh, and so if they're starting to sustain those injuries, at least our coaching staff could be more proactive and think through how they could avoid that. Mm. That was going to be my next question. Is that where your brain went? Was well, it like, oh, they didn't have this prolonged preseason like normal, and so you know, maybe you know some – health stuff pops up as a result. I've coached in the past, and the thing that came to my mind, the one game that really came to mind is Navy against BYU. And Navy came out and looked completely unprepared. Their head coach said as much. They looked like they hadn't hit each other. I mean, we're going to have to hit. 
I'm sorry, COVID might fly around on the practice field, but, but the pads have to be flying too. It just has to. Not with daily testing, Honky. Well, there you go. We're going to do the daily testing and everything. At the end of the day, if you're not hitting, you're going to be in a world of hurt, literally, physically, everything. You're going to be in a world of hurt when you actually get to the games. And Navy, I think that should be the teaching moment for every P5 coach, every Big Ten coach out there that's been watching is, is look at what Navy did. Uh, and their coach came out right afterwards and said, you know, look, we're going to we're gonna get to hitting. We're going to do the things that we should have been doing all along. We can't treat this season like it's not football being played. Unless they're putting flags on or, touch, you know, doing two-hand touch, if it's tackle football, you got to prepare like it's a tackle football season. Yep. The m- most revealing thing about Navy was it took till the second half of game two. They were down 24 nothing to Tulane, yep. looking horrible again. And then they come back and win that game. They scored 27 straight points, I think, or something like that. Uh, it, it took a whole extra half after finally having uh, real contact and practices to get going, right? And so that's what you, what you want to avoid. You want to be able to hit the ground running in game one versus Ohio State with none of those delays. For sure. When Scott Frost says we are prepared, we have prepared throughout this entire process, we could play three weeks from now if they would let us, you think what? I believe him. Yeah. Okay. Who wins the? West? I, I think that 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 Nebraska culture actually really benefited from this time off, which is weird. I think, and I don't know if it's helped a, a team like a Minnesota, who you know maybe is that hey, we don't want to play. It seems like from Nebraska, from the top all the way down to the the lowest walk on, they've had the right mentality during this time off, and I think that's built a stronger culture inside that building. And I think they're all ready to play. And I, I, I think it's uh, a good thing. Who wins the West? I defer to Dave. He finished in the top 1% of ESPN nationally for bowl picks last year. And he's really good <laughs> at the prognostications. I, uh, I, I would typically say, you know, we're going to go 9-0. But um, I don't think that really matters what I think. Dave? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we haven't broken down um, – the the West in on the podcast yet, and it's been an odd season where we feel like we pushed that back a lot. Normally, I would say Wisconsin, but I am concerned about their lack of prep. Um, so I'll I'll be logical here, and I'm going to take Iowa. You know, if you lived um, east of where we're currently at, you would hang a banner for being in the top one percent on ESPN. <laughs> That's, That's right. an accomplishment, That's right. though. I mean, for real, all jokes aside, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not too shabby on those things occasionally. And uh, in basketball one time, I was, like, ranked in the March Madness. I was, like, 12th in the country for a while. So I, I get lucky occasionally. I finished fourth one time, but it was on the Redcast, and there's four of us that were in it. So it's not, <laughs> you know, it's all perspective. There. You don't have to add the second part. You can just say you finished fourth. <laughs> My wife's family does a, a pool every year, and every year I tell myself, I'm going to win. I cover football. These people don't pay attention to football as much as I do, and every year I don't win. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, we did, the, we did the bowl games thing, and I, my wife beat me two years ago, and, and she was like, well, you know, she liked the color of that team, and this had a better mascot. And I was like, cool. I mean, whatever. You're, hey, you obviously know more than I do about it because, you know, finish where I did. But, yeah, you know, I think the one point, though, behind it is that, before we can just sit here and talk about winning national titles and all that, it does. It, there is a stair step approach, and the first part of this is let's get, let's start dominating the West, you know. And sure. to that point, you know, I think Dave, you said it on the show this week. It's like you know, we could lose to Penn State and Ohio State, 
And and if we went six six and zero the rest of the way, right? And, and maybe we don't win the we don't win the West because somebody goes seven and one, right? But but we beat them, and we only lose to the to the the crossover games. Then fine, that's progress. You're starting to win those those East games. We've lost five straight times to Iowa. We've lost seven straight times to Wisconsin. Obviously, that needs to stop. And um, you know what I like to tell people when they say that is you know Frost hasn't lost seven straight times. Frost hasn't lost five straight times. Nebraska might have, but. Uh, Again, I have a lot of asterisks in there, and uh, every game that he didn't coach, I'm going to do an asterisk with. <laughs> Who wins the East? Ohio State. They're has, amazing. Has to be Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> they're amazing. They're going to. I mean, I, I don't know if they're as good as last year's team. I'll be honest with you. I think they, you know, they've had some attrition there, um, but they're still heads and shoulders above Penn State. I mean, it's not that Penn State couldn't knock them off, and that all it would take this year is that one game. But um, you got to be. Again, logical and take take the Buckeyes. You know, last year's game, Ohio State. Obviously, we get blown out, but there's a, a the fullback trap on the set, that third drive, our, our our I formation drive, and Mills should have gone for sixty yards and a touchdown, and Chase Young made a ridiculous play on on him that n- almost nobody's going to make. And the funny thing is, I've said that before on, on Twitter World, and I've gotten in Twitter conversations. And there's Ohio State fans that are like, well, we have five more Chase Youngs right now on the team. And I have no doubt that they have gone out and recruited five five-star DNs. I'm sure they do. He was amazing. And there are some individual amazing players that I don't know why Ohio State did what they did to us a year ago, and we did what we did to them two years ago. I don't know. I don't think Ryan Day is a better coach than Urban Meyer. Um, I have every reason to think that we're going to be so much better prepared in year three with Martinez, with quarterbacks backing him up with an entire O-line back and, uh, you know, six, four receivers now that we can throw the ball to. Uh, all those reasons, I think we can come right out of the chute right away, a running back, a workhorse running back. We talked about it with Mac on this week's show. I, I'd like to see Dedrick Mills get 50 carries in the first two games. Why not? I mean, it, what are we waiting for? We have eight games being played this year. I don't think you need to, as you were saying, Dave, we don't need to hold off or hold people through – the course of a long 12-game stretch. We have eight games. Um, there's no excuses. We have 150 players that can all play. There's no depth concerns there. Let's play. Throw everything out at them and, and see what happens. Okay. Two over-unders. Diedrich Mills hits 1,000 yards. I'm gonna go a great over. question. I'll go over. Okay. 125 a game. I think so. I'll go under, but just barely. Adrian Martinez throws for 15 touchdowns. He was at 17 as a freshman. He was at 10 as a sophomore. He's going to go over on that this year. I'll go over. He's okay. got, he has the targets. Last question yep. for you guys. Nebraska's record against Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Iowa is what? You have to give me a record prediction on this one. <laughs> I'll go 4-0. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll go two and two. We'll win a couple of those. Okay, cool. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us again, man. Yeah. It was a blast. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate I enjoyed it. listening to you guys, and, and both times now I've enjoyed conversing with you. So thank you for, for taking some time. I'm sorry we couldn't get Mac and Boomer on. Um, make sure to tell Mac, though, I have a small apartment that is filled with several animals, so I am a big candle person. I'm not quite to the <laughs> essential oils, so maybe next time. But big, big candle person. <laughs> so if he's if he's in the candle business, then I'll take him up on the offer. Uh, sounds like a plan. That's awesome. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, 
keepreadinghillvarsity.com. We got plenty of content. I had a women's basketball story that I can't tweet because I'm in Twitter jail as of right now. Twitter needs to get us act together. Uh, we've got Nebraska preps coverage. We've got football stuff to talk about. So, readhillvarsity.com. Subscribe to the Go Big Redcast. You guys have it everywhere. Yeah, at, at Go Big Redcast, Twitter, uh, Facebook, even Instagram now is, yep. is starting to get up there. And then you can find us on every podcast platform. Listen to their podcast. It's good. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.